Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to start reading in verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Uh, man, I don't even know how to get started today, y'all. I'm, I'm just a little wound up and anxious right now, so y'all pray for me. Um, but what I want to really try my best to focus on this morning is uh, what Moses was doing, Okay? And you may have to kind of just pull away from what you're reading for a moment and just bear with me. But Moses would raise his arms up. One hand he had the rod of God and the other hand, it doesn't say really what he's doing with the other hand. I can just kind of imagine him like this because Moses had to be right-handed because all normal people are (laughs) right-handed. So he had to be standing like this, something like that, right? And the Word tells us that every time he would raise his hands, that the battle would swing. Israel would be winning. And he would, he would get tired, and, you know, his hand. I don't know if y'all have ever had to hold your hands up like this for very long, but here's what starts to happen. You think you're still exerting the same amount of force, but your muscles start to play out. And so over a period of time, his hands would start to drop, and when that would happen, the other army would begin to win. The, the battle would swing to their favor. And then, oh, oh yeah, i got to raise my hands. He'd, he'd, he'd get a little break, and he'd raise them again, and the battle would swing the other way again. So, uh, what, what do you think that represents? That's what I really begin to think about, and that's where I want you to try to focus today. It's not the specific act of what he did, not the specific impact of, uh, that it had, but what did this represent? And, and the thing that God really kind of showed me in this and began to work in, in my life on, and I believe this is so important, I've seen it played out over the past several weeks, uh, and I already knew this, but sometimes you just kind of got to be reminded, you know, of where you, where you ought to be and what you ought to be doing. Um, to me, God is telling me, and I hope He's telling other people this today, that Moses raising his arms, one with the rod of God, the other his hand just up, uh, this is representative of prayer being offered. 
for this battle that's taking place. And you know, we, it doesn't really say like what Moses did. He may have been praying the entire time he's standing there. He may have just been standing there. I don't know. But what I'm saying today is that this, this is rep, a representation of what our prayer life can be like. And so, I'm going to ask you uh, a couple questions real quick that I want you to think on, as I often do. Um, how effective are the prayers that we offer for others? I just want you to be thinking about this. There's no specific answer to that, but how effective are the prayers that you offer for other people? And maybe it kind of a, a step in on your outline, part A to that question would be, um, so how effective are the prayers you offer for others? And, and uh, man, I just completely lost it. Y'all, I'm, I'm struggling today, y'all. Um, I'm just bouncing all over the place in my head right now. I, I don't know what it is, but y'all pray with me right now. Um, how effective are the prayers that we offer for other people, okay? Now, when I, when I say that, like, this can be the smallest prayer. This can be uh, the prayer where you feel like I'm going to war, I'm on my knees just battling. It, it can be any various sort of prayer, but the prayer for others, how effective is that in your experience? And then, what happens in those situations when you stop praying? Okay, so be thinking about that as we go into this because that kind of represents what Moses is doing here. When his hands are up, he's praying. When his hands start to fall, he kind of slacks off. Okay? I'm not trying to pick on what Moses was doing. This is a physical representation of what can take place spiritually. So, <clears throat> James chapter 5, verse 16 uh, I'm going to just take a portion of that. Y'all y'all can go read the rest. But the part I want to focus on says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And man, that is one of them I hang on to because I need to be reminded of that from time to time when I feel like my prayers are ineffective. Have y'all ever felt that way? Where, man, I'm praying, I, I'm I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to do, but it just don't feel like anything is happening, like maybe God's not even hearing what I'm saying. you got to hang on to the Word. You go back to what the Word says. The Word says that the, fervent effect, or the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so I always had a problem with that, y'all, and I've, you've probably heard me say it before. I feel like I'm getting to that age where I repeat myself a lot, uh, but I always struggled with that one uh, because, man, I, I want to be righteous, uh, and I always kind of felt like maybe I was letting people down when I prayed and I just... Not really feeling very righteous right now. Maybe my prayers are not being as effective as they could be. But here's what the Lord shared with me in that, and I'm going to just share it with you today again. Um, who is the righteous man? It's not me. But see, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the righteous man. And y'all, when we take our prayers... 
Uh, and I would just want to kind of step out on a little bit of a limb here, and y'all can step out with me if you want to. Um, it really don't matter how your prayer sounds in terms of passion. You know, sometimes we can kind of stir up some passion in us and make it sound a whole lot better than it really is. Uh, that is not what determines how effective and fervent your prayer is. I, 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 want, I say that today, I want to encourage you. Because I've heard people say, man, I sure wish I could pray like so-and-so. What are you basing that on? Are you basing that on how good, how eloquent they are, or how passionate they sound, or how loud they can talk? I mean, what are you basing that on? What are the criteria that you are using to determine that I wish I could pray like them? And so what we have is we have this advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, The Word says that He is at the right hand of the throne of God, forever making intercession for you and I. So when we pray, we have a righteous man that is taking those prayers to the Father on our behalf. So those little prayers that you kind of murmur and say, Father, I I need you. I would want to kind of step out on that limb today and say, you know what, that's just as effective as the one that's yelled from the mountaintop. Okay? Now, I can't do nothing about the thing going on in your heart. That's between you and God. If you got something you need to sort out, you need to sort that out. That will hinder your prayer life. Don't get me wrong. Okay? So, let's go back to Moses now. Now that we kind of took that little sidestep for a minute, I think you'll see that it ties right in with what we're talking about today. Uh, we are called in the Word of God to lift others up in prayer. We're, we're called to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so this is not a foreign concept to us. I sure hope it's not. Anybody sitting here today... In this church, it should not be a foreign concept to you that you are called in the Word of God to pray for others, right? I mean, is that is everybody clear on that? Am I even saying the right things? We, we are supposed to, we are expected to pray for others. Um, understand, man, see, this is, this is the challenge I'm having this morning, y'all. Sometimes we are not the ones on the front line of battle. Moses was not on the front line of battle. Moses was not a warrior in this particular account we're reading today. Joshua was on the front lines. Joshua was leading the army. Joshua was the one down there swinging a sword. So there is a lot of times that you will not be able to go and physically battle for someone. You you will not be able to physically interact with someone's particular problem or situation to make it better for them. But what you can do is lift them up in prayer. And so what I want to do is challenge you today, church, is get your hands up. Begin to pray. Begin to seek the Lord. Begin to, to, to go to battle spiritually for those that are in physical need. 
Those that are in situations that need God to move and interact, just like the Israelites were here, could they have won the battle without Him? I want to tell you today, no, because as soon as Moses' hands dropped, as soon as the prayer stopped, the battle would swing the other direction. And y'all, we know people today that are in those same kind of battles where if we, as the children of God, as, as His heirs, don't, do not stand up and get our hands in the air, spiritually speaking, and begin to pray and lift these people up, the evil will turn against them. The battle will sway against them. We might not be the ones on the front line uh, but we might be called to stand, lift our hands in opposition against the enemy. We may need to be the one that goes to war in a spiritual sense through prayer. If we go on to verse 15 of Exodus chapter 17, it says, Then Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. In the old King James Version it says, uh, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. What was a banner for? Y'all, when people had real wars back in the day, real hand-to-hand kind of combat, uh, big armies out on the field that would just face off against people, um, they often had banners. And it was kind of a rallying point. Sometimes it was... It was a way for people on the field to look and say, the battle's moving this way, we got to go. Because when you're down there in the midst of the battle, you, you can't tell what's going on sometimes. People just mash all together. So it was the responsibility of that honor guard, the one that was holding that banner, to keep it up. And y'all, when it would fall, somebody would come and grab it up and keep it up there. This was the thing that helped direct those troops to where the battle is. Where do I need to focus? And y'all, as children of God, our arms are lifted high like Moses on this day as a banner for for God to move and work on our behalf so that the battle is not just running all over the place, but it's a focused effort. And I want you to look at Aaron and her. You don't hear a lot out of them in this passage, do you? But how important were they? Y'all, there came a point where Moses couldn't even stand up anymore. I don't know how long this battle went on. But he's like, I'm I'm tired, y'all. So they, they go from holding his hands up and helping him till they had to get a stone over there for him to sit on and keep holding his hands up. Now how important were Aaron and her the battle would not have been won by Israel had Aaron and her not been standing there helping Moses. And man, this is so important, y'all, because we often think, well, the prayer warriors will handle it. The prayer, we need to get the prayer warriors in here to do battle spiritually. But were Aaron and her prayer warriors? No. They were supportive. They're the ones that come alongside and said, man, I got you. I got you. And you, you can say in a figurative sense that their prayers were then being heard. 
Because of the support they were offering. They're saying, I'm coming alongside you, Moses. You are the man of God. You are the one that, that is leading this battle in a spiritual sense. We're going to do everything we can to support you, to lift you up, to encourage you, and do what is necessary to ensure that the battle is won, that the Word of God goes forth, that the, the, heal, the sick are healed, that the poor are saved, the poor are fed, the those are the ones that actually get it done. Oh, man. Even when he's sitting on the stone, they still had to hold his arms up. Uh, you may be called to support those that are fighting. And I want to encourage those of you that maybe, maybe you feel like you're called to be a prayer warrior. Uh, I want to encourage you to call on some people. And say, look, man, I'm battling right now. I need, I need you to lift me up. And, you know, we ought to see that those roles are in place. That, that God has an order to things. God don't ever put somebody in a position and say, all right, handle it, you're on your own. But what God has done is He's established structure to everything. And He's saying, i got this one over here to do this. Here's somebody to support them. This one over here is doing this, and here's some to support them. I want you to understand that... that Moses is no more important than Aaron and her. If, if Moses was there by himself, there would come a point where what would happen? The battle would be lost. It don't matter how long Israel prevailed during that time. If, if Moses couldn't keep his hands up, the battle would have been lost. And so when Aaron and her come along beside him, what we see then is we see this group of men that are standing together against the enemy, even though they are not on the battlefield itself. They are standing together against the enemy, and the Spirit of God recognizes that and begins to move on their behalf. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It's kind of the end of the passage of Scripture that talks about the armor of God. Most of y'all have probably read it before. You know, the armor of God is kind of laid out there as Paul looks at these Roman soldiers and kind of uses that as an example for uh, how we are to uh, uh, fight our fights in the Spirit, how we are to go about being uh, defending, uh, and defending ourselves. I'm having trouble even talking. How we're going about defend ourselves by the armor of God and our weapon being the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In verse 18, he ends it up and it's so easy for, for us to look at those uh, items in the armor and say, okay, that's where it ends, but I want you to see how he ends it in verse 18. He ends it with prayer. Prayer being the one thing that is still needed to tie all this together, to bring it to a point that in the Spirit it is useful. You understand that this armor of God is a spiritual armor. It's not something I can go pick up out of my closet and put on and everything's great. It's a spiritual armor. So in order to make use of anything in the Spirit, there must be some prayer that goes along with it. In verse 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And that is a lot to say. Most people don't understand what most of those words mean. So here's another translation. Pray at all times in the Spirit. 
with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. If you're going to put on the armor of God, if you're going to go do battle, uh, it's going to require prayer. He says, pray at all times. With all he says, stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Y'all, that is a picture right there of what was going on with Moses and Aaron and her all together right there. You've got those fighting the battle. You've got those sitting there supporting. That is, is just saying, okay, I know you're tired, Moses, but we're going to persevere. Moses, we're going to keep fighting this. We've got you. We're going to lift you up. You keep doing what you're doing. We'll support you in it. Y'all, the battle has to be won. Has to be. And you might be saying, Brother Kevin, I don't know what you're talking about today by battle. Well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, there are battles raging all the time. We don't always see them, but I guarantee you, you see the effects of them. There's, we've talked about some today already, but in our prayer request time, how New York has passed a law that says, I don't care how old the baby is, up to nine months before this thing is delivered, you can kill it. Good enough. Uh, y'all, there's a battle that's been raging already for that, Right? And we might look at it and say, well, they won that one. Well, they might have won this little battle, but they will not win the war. This is the awesome thing that we have. Our hope in Jesus Christ, it is spelled out in this book. It tells us how this thing is going to end, so we know that we will win the war. But I need you to understand today that that knowledge does not take us out of the battle. Amen? It does not remove us from the battle that still rages today. We need to be persevering in our fight against the enemy. And we do that through prayer. If you're one of those prayer warriors, then you know how this thing works. You know that the Lord will call on you. He'll put a burden on you. He said you need to be praying. People will call you and say, hey, I need you to pray. And what do you do? Man, you pray. I don't care where you're at. Uh, you can be going down the road. You can be at your office at work. You can uh, be in your living room, sitting in your chair. Uh, y'all, there ain't no specific formula to how this thing needs to go down. But what I tell you there is, is that we need to have that knowledge of Jesus Christ, knowing that when we pray and we're interceding on behalf of others, He is right there hearing our prayers and taking them to the Father, and war is beginning to break out. Battles are beginning to take place on behalf of our prayers. And be diligent. Persevere through it. Do not let up on your praying. Why were Aaron and her there? There wasn't no way Moses was going to have the strength to stand through all of that. So I'm going to tell you all, you're going to get tired of praying. There'll come a time when you say, okay, well that's probably enough. Is it? Have you seen the answer? Have you seen the prayers answered that you were praying for? Have you seen the results of it? Or is it still kind of in limbo and you just say, well, it's just time to move on to something else? 
Let's go back to that question I asked you. How effective are the prayers that we offer for others? I want to tell you today that they're super effective. The, the Word tells us that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I just want to kind of supplement those last two words there. Avails much. Let's just say they do the work, man. If you want to put that kind of in Kevinese or whatever you want to call it, uh, the, those effective, fervent prayers do the work. That, that's the thing that gets it done right there. You want to see God move? You better pray. Don't just sit there and say, well, I hope it happens. Uh, eventually, you know, He's going to have favor on me and it's just going to happen. No! You get to praying. You begin to seek the Lord and say, Father, I need you to move. I need something to happen in this situation. When Moses was standing at the Red Sea, what did he do? Well, God will figure it out. No! He hit his knees and began to pray and say, God, you brought us here. We've got the enemy bearing down on us and we are pinned against this wall of water right here in front of us. What are we going to do? God said, Moses, you do exactly what I told you to do. You move forward. That don't make sense. And you've probably had those situations in your own life where you say, well, it don't make sense to keep praying. It don't make sense to keep fighting against this. I'm here to tell you today, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man does the work. You want to see something change, you better be praying. You better be lifting up others. And that's the thing I really want to enforce to you today that God has really put in my heart. Um, we, we sometimes get kind of bogged down just praying for our own needs. And y'all, I ain't trying to tell you today that it's, it's not right for you to go to the Lord and ask Him for whatever it is you need. Uh, he tells us to do that, but uh, I'm, I will challenge you and say that uh, that should be a very small part of your prayer life. God will take care of your needs. We, we really need to spend more time being focused on others. If you ain't got a prayer list for other people's needs, uh, you probably ought to start one. You want to see God move in your life? You start praying for other people and watch what He does. I guarantee you, man, I've seen it time and time again. When, when I get down and I start focusing on me and wanting to have a pity party, I don't see anything happen. But when I shift my focus and say, you know what, God's going to take care of me. I'm going to lift up other people. Aaron and her, you think they were tired? You think they were hurting? I guarantee you they were. You stand there and hold your arms like this for a while and see what happens. About ten minutes, you're going to be like... You're going to be doing all kinds of crazy contortions trying to hold it up also, right? So they were tired also, and I'm here to tell you today that that we have work to do to pray for others and lift them up. Don't worry about us, man. God will bless us. God will take care of us. Take your needs to Him. Do that. But then focus on other people. What I've seen is that I even have power to overcome temptation when I'm focused on other people. Does that even make sense? You know, our own mentality would say, well, I need to focus on me and make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But that's not the way it works out in the kingdom of God. When I start to focus on others and be concerned about them and to show them love, you know why that works? Because the Word says, if you will walk in the Spirit, 
you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Those two things just do not coexist. There's no connection. There's no uh, way that you can walk in the Spirit and fulfill the lust of the flesh at the same time. And so when you begin to pray and lift up others and focus on them and show love to them, you're walking in the Spirit. You are exercising the gifts of the Spirit. You are bearing fruit of the Spirit. And there ain't no way that other stuff can come in while you're doing that. So I want to encourage you today, church, get your hands up. Get your hands up praising Him. Get your hands up praying, lifting up other people. Stand and be that banner in the middle of the battle. Be the one that's showing the direction the battle is going. I'm here to tell you all today, if I'm in a battle and the guy toting the banner takes off and runs, I've got a decision to make. I want you to just ponder that for a moment, church, because this is real I'm talking about today. This, this battle thing is real. It's going on all the time. And when the guy toting the banner takes off and runs, I need to figure out, is that a sign I need to run? Or do I need to go grab that banner out of his hand and stand my ground? Hmm? And you know what we do a lot of times is we say, hey man, why are we running? We don't even know why we're running, but we see the guy that's supposed to be toting the banner take off and we go with him and say, why are we running? Y'all, there's no heart in that. There's no heart of a warrior in that kind of an attitude, church. Do y'all hear me today? We, We have got to stand our ground against this enemy that has been defeated. Who are we to run in the face of a defeated foe? Why would we forsake the victory that Jesus Christ has given us when we just turn and run? Why would we do that? The victory has been given to us. We have the victory. Let's hold that banner high, get our hands up high, and say, Father, I'm here to fight. Let's do the work today in Jesus' name.